the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. We'll take a look at this children's hymn in detail next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Indeed, it is a children's hymn, but it's one that bears great truth, and it's that truth that we want to focus on today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Greetings in Christ, and welcome to the program. We're in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. Today's message is entitled, What Does the Fruit You Bear Tell About You? And indeed, it is a probing question that we'll seek to answer with Scripture today and maybe take a close look at that spiritual mirror to see just exactly what our fruit does tell about us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. What does the fruit you bear tell about you? What am I about to present to you today is not anything that I think is new to any of you. It's my prayer, that in fact, that I don't uh, stand up here and be too boring to you and you fall asleep out there. But my prayer is that as I present these truths to you today, parables that I've known, I know you've heard many, many times, simple ones, ones that I'm sure you're very aware of and understand, that the Lord Jesus Christ will use them to further solidify in your hearts the necessity of bowing and giving yourself totally and completely to him in all areas of your life. So first, if you will, turn to Luke chapter 6, and today we're going to read verses 43 through 45. For a good tree bringeth forth not, bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, not out of the good treasure, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Who owns your heart? To whom does your heart belong? Have you ever given it away? What fills your heart? What is it consumed with? The religion you profess to hold to, is it just external conformity to principles? Or is it a religion of the heart? There is nothing about you that is more important than your heart and its condition. The focus of the gospel is on the human heart. Worship, love, 
obedience to God to be real must originate in the heart. You see, it's not, first of all, an issue of life and behavior. It is an issue of the heart. And those two little parables we read just a few moments ago from the Lord Jesus Christ are concerned with the heart. They are closely related and very obvious in their point. The first parable is about fruit trees. The second one is about stored treasure. In the first parable are some comparisons given to us. It says, a healthy tree does not yield diseased fruit, and a diseased tree doesn't yield healthy fruit. Figs don't grow on thorn bushes, and grapes don't grow on briar bushes. In the second parable, there's a good man who produces good things from the stored treasure of the good in his heart. And there is an evil man who has drawn that evil out of the stored treasure of evil in his heart. Now, both of these treasure parables have a distinct emphasis. They make the same point, which is the nature of a tree determines the nature of the, tree, of the fruit of that tree. Sick trees don't produce healthy fruit. Healthy fruit trees don't produce sick fruit. You don't go to a pear tree to pick apples. You don't go to a cherry tree to collect figs. The nature of the tree determines the nature of the fruit that tree shall bear. What a tree is worth, both either in excellence or in its faults, is determined by the fruit that it bears... And the fruit that it bears is determined by the character of that tree. So it is with people. Jesus said as simply as he could say, You shall know them by their fruits. Or to put the, put it, uh, the point of these parables as simply as, I know how, a person's true character is revealed in his behavior. Not some of the time, not every now and then, not occasionally, unless he's careful. But it is an absolute in his life. It is an unalterable fact that the true character of a person is revealed in his behavior. If a man's character is good, that goodness will show up in his everyday behavior. In his words, the way he relates to other people, and in his activities. If a man at the core of his being is evil, no matter how hard he tries to be something other, that evil is going to show up in his life, and it will most certainly dominate his life. Now, if a person's character is manifested in his behavior, and if it is true that sick trees don't produce healthy fruit, and healthy trees don't produce sick fruit, and if it is true that only someone with a good heart can live a good life, and someone with an evil heart cannot live a good life, but will live an evil life, and since we are all by nature diseased trees, how is it possible for any human being to ever do one good thing or produce one fruit of goodness throughout his whole life? A bad tree will never produce good fruit, 
And the testimony of Scripture throughout is that we are evil trees. And that a person's character is revealed in his behavior. Therefore, the great implication that the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to see in this is that before an evil person can produce a good life, he must first of all be changed by God into a good person with a good heart. The Bible says that some people on earth have evil hearts, therefore their lives are dominated by evil. Other people have good hearts, and therefore, though they are not perfect, their lives are dominated by doing good in acts of kindness toward other people. But we are all evil by birth. Turn with me to Psalm 51, and you'll see why I say that by nature, we are all diseased trees. We are all bad trees. Why is it that a person has a bad heart? Did he do something to make his heart bad? No, not at all. The New American Standard Bible says in Psalm 51, 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. And the New International Version translation is even clearer. It says in verse 5, Surely I have been, bo- have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So you see, our hearts didn't become bad when we committed our first sin at some mythological time of accountability when we suddenly recognized the difference between good and evil. We committed our first sin because when we were conceived in our mother's womb, we were conceived as sinners with bad hearts until touched by the grace of God. Therefore, all of us being evil can only live good lives if God changes our hearts. All people have evil hearts because they are born that way. Other people are good and do good in their lives because they were reborn that way. It is because God has brought about a tremendous transformation in their hearts. Turn to Romans 7 with me, please. Paul is, look, is talking about a struggle that every Christian experiences. Not a non-Christian because he is a slave to sin, so he can't experience this. But a Christian does experience this struggle. I'm going to read from Romans 7, verses 15 through 21. Paul says... For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Thou then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. 
Now that shows the tremendous struggle that takes place in a Christian's heart. There are certain things he wants to do and certain things he doesn't want to do. But because he is not perfect, he often does the things he doesn't want to do. And he often fails in doing the things that he wants to do. But now notice, I read all of that to draw your attention to verse 22. It says, For I delight in the law of God and in the inner man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus our Lord. So then with the mind, or actually with a heart, myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. Now I read all of that to show you a comparison. Some people are born evil, and God never changes their heart. They have a heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. There are other people, though by nature had evil hearts, have good hearts because God chose to transform them. So they joyfully concur with the law of God and serve the law of God, but still struggle with indwelling sin, old habits, stains, and tendencies that still remain in them until they are totally removed when we are perfected in holiness at death. But the point is, here is a man with a new heart, Here is a man who loves the law of God, loves to obey God, and who serves God in his heart because his heart is good. And so this shows us that the entire human race can be defined and divided in terms of the nature of the heart. Some people have hearts that are desperately wicked because they have not been touched by the grace of God. And they are that way naturally because of their relationship to Adam. Then there are other people who live good lives because God has changed their heart from an evil one to a good one. Bad trees will never produce good fruit. Good trees will never produce bad fruit. So before an evil person can produce a good life, he must first of all be changed into a good person with a good heart by the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Now that means that mere change of external behavior, getting a person to act more correctly and speak correctly, is not the answer to a man's most serious problem. That also means that education is no cure for the deepest problems of a man. Look at Western culture. The more educated Western culture becomes, the more money we pour into public school, the more evil and perverted and lawless culture becomes. Also, we know that simply a change of political structure, a change of environment is not the ultimate solution for man's troubled life either. You have people who say, if we can just get people out of the slums and give them a good education and a job, they'll be okay. That is not true, beloved. Any more than taking a rich man and giving him a a moderate lifestyle where he doesn't have all the temptations of wealth will not serve as a cure for his evil heart either. Schooling, 
Change in a person's environment does not deal with the real issues of life. Jesus said it is not what goes into a man's heart from the outside. It's not environmental pressures that make a man what he is. It is the nature of his heart that makes him what he is. But you know, it's amazing how much we as Christians have bought into these ideas. We think when we see people in trying positions, that if we could just change their environments, if we could just get them out of a bad home, if we could just get them out of a certain situation and get them into a better situation, then their problems would all go away and they would be better people. Think on this. Adam and Eve had a perfect environment. And yet they still sinned against Almighty God. And Adam, in an attempt to excuse his sin, blames his environment on God. He said, Lord, it's the woman you gave me. If you would have put me in a better environment, I'd be a better man. You see, in blaming his environment, who is he actually blaming? Adam said, it is this woman whom you have given me. God, if you had done a better job and you had created a better environment than the Garden of Eden with a perfect sinless woman, I would not have sinned. Understand Jesus clearly. Your environment does not make you what you are. Television and movies don't make you sin as bad as they may be. Immoral books do not make you sin as bad as they are. Pressure from friends who are evil do not make you sin. Circumstances and situations that add discomfort to your life do not make you sin. Whenever we sin, we sin because we deliberately choose to do so. Now, influences that are all around us, are powerful things. And we should help people alleviate bad situations. But someday, the Bible says, we are going to have to stand before God and give an account as to how we responded, responded to environmental pressures. Environmental pressures don't make you what you are. Environmental pressures do not make a person a criminal. Environmental pressures do not make a bad person. If a person is bad, it is because his heart is bad, not because his environment is bad. I know just like you, a lot of good people in bad environments, and I know a lot of bad people in good environments. What makes a person bad is his heart condition. What makes a person good is his heart, not his environment. Therefore, merely changing someone's environment will not change the issues. If there is going to be obedience from the heart to God, that obedience has to be motivated by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which originates in the heart. God also says in Ephesians 2, that we having been saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, we are recreated for good works. Had God brought about, had, God, had not God brought about a recreation of our whole inner life, 
we would never have been able to do one good thing. Do you know that a person with a bad heart cannot do anything good? Nothing good. He has never done anything good as far as God is concerned in his whole life. Nothing. The Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God. The Bible says concerning the man whose mind is set on the flesh that he is hostile to the law of God. Not some of the time, all of the time. He will not submit himself to the law of God. He is incapable of doing so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. A bad tree, beloved, cannot and will not produce good fruit. Not me, the Bible says that. In order for us to, pr- to produce any kind of goodness in our lives, God must change our hearts. And then we will bear the fruit that God expects good trees to bear. And then by that fruit we can see in ourselves and in other people the reality that we do have changed hearts by their fruit you shall know them by their fruit, not simply by their profession. You know more about a man's heart condition through his behavior during the week than what he professes Sunday morning. You come to church, say the Apostles' Creed, say the Lord's Prayer, sing praises to God. Well, there are a lot of bad people who sing good hymns. And there are a lot of people with bad hearts who have the Apostles' Creed memorized. It's not our profession of faith that reveals the heart. It is our behavior. It is the way we live and relate to other people. No one can produce fruit that is pleasing to God without their lives having been changed by God. Now, what is that fruit that God looks for? I want us to look at several verses today to see what the fruit is that identifies and distinguishes us from people who may be pretending to be Christians. They may be church members, but there's no real spiritual life there. How do you know you have a good heart? Well, how do you know if you are an apple tree? Of course, you bear apples. So how do you know if you have an evil heart? You are going to do bad things or good things for the wrong reason. If you have a good heart, there is a certain kind of fruit that is going to be manifested in your life. And we can see that in Scripture. So turn back, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7 that Skip read earlier. It is interesting that in Matthew and Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount and these particular parables that they have different backgrounds and context. In Luke, they are connected with a proud and arrogant man who has a log in his eye. That shows a serious defect in his life. In Matthew 7, the parables are, are given in connection with identifying false teachers and false prophets. And he ends with this dramatic note. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Beloved, these people had a sign around their neck. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I believe in the Bible. I say the Apostles' Creed. I pray. I'm willing to profess my faith anywhere. And Jesus said, that's not the fruit I'm looking for. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Mm-hmm.